remember trying to talk to you in high school Couldn't even get a look cause you were too cool But now we're older and we're playing by the new rules We lived and learned Cause it's Hello again everybody and welcome back to Card Advantage I am Clues, one of your faithful hosts And joining me as always is the other faithful host, Rich Rich, how are you? Doing good. It's been a long time. It has. We are back from our winter hiatus. Welcome to 2016. It's super exciting. Or uh, like super exciting. This is episode number 106 of Card Advantage. We are recording in January, mid-January of 2016. Just shy of the release of Oath of the Gatewatch. It is happening real soon. Are you excited for this? Yeah, it's an alright set. It's not my favorite set in the world, though. Uh, what what is your favorite set in the Innistrad? I was gonna guess Kamigawa. No, no, I actually was gonna guess Innistrad. You're right. I never played in Kamigawa. Innistrad was the first set I actually like played a full. It's first full block. Huh. Um, favorite individual set that is tricky. I don't know that that could be Return to Ravnica as well. Yeah, because Return to Ravnica was fairly glorious. It was pretty good. I freely admit that it was pretty good. Now. I feel like, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I decided to. Yeah, I I just looked this up. No, it's I I'm I'm right, ish. Let's say I'm right. Yeah, let's go with that. It feels like this pre-release is early. It but, does feel really uh, early. But the last couple of sets, I, I I guess I just didn't notice it in the last couple of sets because I'm you know this is uh oh, by the way we're now into the two set blocks so this isn't the middle set this is this is it for the 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 battle for zendikar block. which is uh, another reason i think it's early is cuz we got to get used to this um new rotation yeah i feel like we just got here uh but if we look back uh fate reforged was the previous set its pre-release was on january 17th so about now uh but born of the gods was february 1st so it was like you know uh, another week and a half or so uh, then Return to Ravnica was January 26th, so another week. Innistrad was January 28th, so another week. So maybe this is the new regime going forward? Wouldn't that be Gate... Not Return to Ravnica, that'd be Gate Crash. Yeah, I'm sorry, Gate Crash. I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. yeah. Return to Ravnica block, Gate Crash. Yeah, the, the, the middle set. Uh, but it feels really early to me, but hey, here we are. That's fine. I like cards. Cards are good. Uh, so Oath of the Gatewatch. So first of all, before we get to Oath of the Gatewatch, I just want general impressions from you, Rich. How did you feel about Battle for Zendikar once it actually got here? It was it was fine. Okay, I you know I I kind of feel the same way. I was excited to be going back to Zendikar, and I think for, I think they gave a nice Zendikar feel. Yeah, I was gonna say for the most part they captured that Zendikar feel, but at the same time, t- to me at least. It felt like there was a little bit of, uh, and this is going to sound weird, it felt a little bit like there was a little new Phyrexia feel to it, to me. Because, uh, you know, the the world was so ravaged in Battle for Zendikar, and the enemy that they were facing was just so powerful that it just, it, I, I didn't feel hope in Battle for Zendikar, is what I'll say. Mm-hmm. And I felt the same way when we got to New Phyrexia. It felt like such a, not necessarily a letdown, but a downer, right? Okay. That, you know, where the 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 Mirrodins were just, or the Mirrens, excuse me, were just screwed. And I kind of gave, I, I got that vibe from Battle for Zendikar. But at the same time, you know, I I just love Zendikar as a setting. Um, and it, it of course, uh, the the whole plane features your favorite planeswalker ever. She actually got a good card, though. Yeah, she did. She did. Uh, I wonder if people realize that everyone just hated Nissa, so they decided to just really work hard to get her a good card. Yeah, maybe. Now, if only they could do that for Chandra, but we'll get to that. We'll totally get... Okay, so uh Battle for Zendikar, definitely... Uh, I'm not going to call it a, a home run. I'm not going to call it perfect, uh, but I thought it was good. Right. I mean, the, the power level, uh, there have been some complaints that the power level was a bit low. Uh, but. But if, if it's not, then it's going to be nothing but power creep. You have to. Exactly. You need this ebb and flow. Right? We don't need thousands of thrag tusks and, you know, uh, 
What am I? Why am Siege I playing? Rhino? Rest, restorate, Red Siege rest, Rhino, yeah, Restoration Rest, Angel. We don't and Geist. We don't need those every set. We don't need those all the time because then you're gonna have to get something that's better than Geist. Then you're gonna have to get something that's better than this. Geist two, the Geistening. Yeah, I mean we don't need that all the time. So, so I don't. I mean because I, I I thought the same was real similar with when we went to Tarkir. I thought we flattened out power level a little bit. That was fine with that. Have you ever been to a wine tasting? No. Okay, so if you go to a wine tasting, they'll often give you like these little crackers to eat in between drinking wines, and it's yeah, it's, uh, it's to cleanse the palate. Right? Yeah, and they don't taste very good, right? They don't really taste like anything. They're they're, they're not, not supposed to. Yeah, they're not supposed to. Uh, sometimes you need a palate cleanse, and some sets, you know, if if we just constantly ratchet up the tension and ratchet up the tension and make them bigger and bigger and bigger, eventually it's just silly. And now you're playing. A, I, I don't know. I was going to fill in another collectible card game's name here, but I don't want to get hate mail. So never mind. But now we have Oath of the Gatewatch. And before we get into the set itself, I just want to ask, just right off the bat, the name. How do you feel about the name? I'm not a fan of the name. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the name either. I mean, we've had some... There have been some naming issues in the past. Let's put it that way. For, for instance, Dragon's Maze. I'll just point right at that one. There it is. I said it. That, was that, not... one, didn't, that one didn't bother me as much. Really? I always thought it was just silly. That we've got Return to Ravnica and Gate Crash and Dragon's Maid. I guess that one was fine to me. To me, Gate Crash never bothered me. Yeah, I didn't really care for Journey into Nyx either. I didn't think that that was a great name. No, um, I didn't mean everyone just shortened it to Journey. Yeah, and that just made me think of bands of yesteryear, which is fine. I'm not knocking Journey. Please stop with the tweets and the emails. Just it's a fine, small boy. Just, exactly. I, you know, I like Journey too. It's just not what I think of when I think fantasy card games, I guess, is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, let's see now. Cons of Tarkir was okay once I got used to it. Fate Reforged, I think, is a really good name. Uh, Dragons of Tarkir, I guess it fit. That's probably It fine. was fine. Everyone knew it was coming, though. That was the thing. Yeah, that's true. New Phyrexia was a terrible name. Shouldn't have happened. What'd you Absolutely. want? The great, great Mirrors or whatever it was? Uh, yeah, I, want Mir I wanted Mirrored and Pure, but... That wasn't going to happen. We all knew it was going to happen. It wasn't going to happen, even though they lied to us about it might happening. Anyway, so Oath of the Gatewatch, not a big fan uh, of the name itself. Uh, the the concept, story-wise, which will eventually cover the flavor. Today is not a flavor day, sorry, uh, but eventually we'll cover the flavor. Um, the concept is interesting. Very, very interesting. Uh, but the name just gets shortened to Oath. And that just makes me think of Oath of Druids, which we, we have that card. I mean, well, not in most uh, formats, See, I think but... they could have just called it the Gatewatch. Or just Gatewatch. But then that sounds like Gate Crash. That's so... why I think the Gatewatch. Yeah. And what is the gate that they're watching anyway? I don't know. Okay. So there we go. Oath of the Gatewatch. It is the set that's coming. It is the second set in the battle for Zendikar block. It will, I'm not going to say wrap up everything on Zendikar, but it is the end of it for now, for the time being. So let's now get to the mechanics of the set, because of course we, uh, we have mechanics. The, the full mechanic article went out, I think, earlier this week, in fact, courtesy Wednesday. of Matt Tabeck, the Yesterday. rules manager. And so, uh, we have the return of expeditions. What's your feeling on expeditions there, Rich? Eh. Nah. Yeah, I, I guess I kind of feel the same way. Uh, I, okay. We had the hidden treasures back in original Zendikar, and those were a thing and possibly deserve a much more lengthy discussion than I'm going to give them right now. But we had those, and they wanted to recapture something like that. They wanted to recapture that lands matter, and so they made the expeditions, and there were like 25 cards that were awesome, cool, full art, foily lands that you probably never touched because they were very, very, very rare. It seems a little gimmicky to me. Uh, you know, it's like... Uh, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's like one of those blue lobsters, you know, you know that they exist and that's kind of cool that they exist, but you're probably never going to see one. Now that's not to say that people haven't seen them. Okay. They have, right. And you can buy them and they are a God awful amount of money for the most part. Uh, but something that rare, it, it's rare just for rarity's sake. And it's, it's there as a gimmick to make people open packs. Now they're beautiful. If you got your hands on them, congratulations. They look awesome. <laughs> I'd like some. But I, I just, I don't know. They're not, not my favorite thing in the world. Uh, although, if you look at the new ones, oof, oh boy, there are a couple that are just absolutely gorgeous. 
uh, like the uh, the new ancient tomb. But wait, yeah, look, I'm getting ahead of myself. Getting ahead of myself. So we had the expeditions come back. Now, new in this set, and something that we have not on this show talked about, so I haven't really, I don't know what Rich is going to say when I bring this up. The new colorless mana symbol and text. How do you feel about the colorless mana thing? Excuse me. Um, I don't know. I haven't played with it, so I don't know. It's um, it's like it's another color, but it's it's just not. Yeah, I mean, it's a set. They're calling it colorless, but all mana taps technically for is used as colorless. And if it was strictly only colorless, this land produces you know circle one. Mm-hmm. That's fine, but that's not what it is. It's this land produces waste. Right. Because that's what the land's type, so it doesn't produce, you know, you can call it colorless if you want, but they didn't use the colorless symbol. They used a well, different symbol. Okay, well, it's so, essentially a six color that I'm assuming is going to be tied to just this set. Yeah, I I think for the most part, you know, things caring about colorless mana is going to be pretty much tied to this set. I mean, what they really had, and uh, for any listeners who, you know, have already uh, heard me ramble about this on, on another podcast or something, I'm sorry, but here here's a couple of minutes for those who haven't. What they had was a problem in that, uh, take for example, and, and a really good example of this is uh, Soul Ring, right? So the card Soul Ring. If you pull up Soul Ring on Gatherer, you'll find that it's got two different ways to it, it it represents two different things in the same way if that makes sense so uh, a soul ring has uh, a mana cost in the upper right hand corner and the mana cost in the upper right hand corner is a gray circle with the number one in it but old soul ring then down in the text box read tap Add a gray circle with the number two in it to your mana pool. Now, the one in the upper right-hand corner could be paid with anything. It could be paid with colorless mana. It could be paid with colored mana. It didn't care. But the mana that it added to your mana pool down in the ability when you tapped it, those two mana, the two with the circle around it, those were specifically colorless mana. So you had a spot that represented generic mana, and then you had something that looked identical that represented colorless mana. And the folks at uh, R&D have said that that was a little bit of a barrier for new players trying to explain this distinction. Now, once you understand the distinction, you just do it intuitively. And all of us who've been playing for years, we don't even notice. We didn't even think about it. But now they've developed a symbol that specifically means colorless mana, and it's this circle with the diamond in it. So you can call it diamond mana or uh, whatever you want, but it's, it's colorless mana. So the cost is still generic mana, but it's now producing colorless mana. So that's what they were doing there. Uh, you know, to kind of separate that ambiguity. And they wanted to try and create a mechanic where colorless mana mattered. And in order to do that, they needed the nomenclature to go along with it. So I, I see what they've done there. And I don't necessarily object. I, I don't object to it, but it's like, uh, you know, you get Kozilek, you know, he t- technically costs 10 colorless mana. But what he really well, costs is 8 mana of any color. Right. And 2, and two waste. Yeah, so he costs 8 generic mana. And two colorless mana. So and that's the thing is the gen- it's generic mana, which has never been a term ever used. Right. It's always been referred to as colorless, which maybe maybe is not maybe that's not been correct, but that's what it's been for however long I've been playing. Yeah, and that's actually the truth of it. It is is we as a group, and I'm including myself in this. We as a group have collectively been doing this wrong. We've been fast and loose with some terminology. And uh, essentially, the the time has come to not do that anymore. I see. But the thing is, it's not going to stick because whatever we're going to we're not going to see waste together. I don't foresee them putting waste anywhere else because oh. one, I don't think it fits anywhere else. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think seeing so it's like adjusting our culture for a set that when it goes away, we're just going to go back to the way we were. Well, except that. Uh, stuff that produces colorless mana will continue to use this symbol. So, for instance, let's say they lose their minds. Oh, really? Yes. Let's say that they lose their minds, and in Shadows Over Innistrad, they say, hey, you know what would make Innistrad better? Soul Ring. It would. It's true. It's true, Clues. Yeah, it, it would. But for a certain value of better. Uh, and so Soul Ring, if they reprinted it right now, would have the one with a circle in the upper right-hand corner, but down in the card text, it would say tap, add diamond, diamond to your mana pool. I didn't realize that symbol was staying. 
Yes, absolutely. If you actually go to Gatherer right now and look up Soul Ring, you'll see it in the uh, the Oracle text. Interesting. Yeah, so that will stick around. So anything that's producing colorless mana will specifically say that. Now, as far as having colorless mana in a cost, I don't think we'll see that uh, very much going forward. I don't think it's something that's going to carry over into other places. Because you're absolutely right, because coming along with that was the card Wastes, which Wastes is a new basic land. Not a basic land type. It is a basic land called Wastes. Now, that's a very subtle distinction. But your basic land types are uh, mountain, forest, plains. I think there are others, but I think it's just mountain, forest, plains. Uh, and then, okay, sure, so it's island and and uh, swamp as well. But the point is, wastes is not a basic land type. It is the name of a basic land. So if you have a card that yeah, says... Because it's, it's waste, basic land. Yes, not, exactly. Because all forests are forest, basic land, forest. Right. It's not a subtype or super... Subtype. Yeah, it's not a subtype. It, its type is land, its super type is basic, its subtype does not exist. It doesn't have one. But it can be searched by, like, rampant growth, right? Yeah, so if you've got an effect that says, go find a basic land, put it on the battlefield tapped, you could go search for a waste. Now, in Commander, can you have a hundred of them? Uh, yes, yes you can. You can have an unlimited number of, of wastes in a deck where wastes are legal. Yeah, so, if you're not using a waste creature, or you're not using a, uh, a colorless d deck, don't put waste in your deck. It's yeah, you probably don't want them, unless you need them for like the activation of some one or two cards that you're putting in there. But no, what this really does is makes it, uh, you know, this is kind of two birds with one stone here. It makes it so that if you are running a colorless commander, and you know who you are, you no longer have to run nothing but non-basic lands in your deck. You can go get a stack of wastes. That'll work just what? fine. What? But they got ruined by ruination. It's hilarious. Uh, yeah, that is that is true. Uh, but now you can do it. But anyway, wastes are now a thing, uh, and they do exist in this format. Um, if you are drafting, and I should at least mention this while we're talking about wastes, if you are drafting, you have to draft your wastes, I believe. I, I don't think you can just go grab wastes from the box. I may be wrong oh. about that. I, 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 ooh, I, I should double check on that. Yeah, you should have looked that up before you started. Yeah, I should have, but I, I, I remember a conversation happening about this, and I think that's how it works. Well, if, you're, if you're judging this weekend, you're an idiot to know that. Ah, but I'm not judging this weekend. I am playing, but I'm not judging. Oh, well, that's a first. Uh, well, let me, let me get... Yeah, actually, this will be one of the... This will be... Possibly the only pre-release since I became a judge where I'm playing but not judging. There have been ones that I missed because I was just out of town that weekend or something, but no, this will be the first one uh, where I'm not. Okay, so here we go. In limited events, you can only play wastes only if it's in your card pool. So for instance, in sealed deck, you can only play the wastes that you open. So for instance, this weekend, when you're playing, you have to open your wastes. So drafting that Kozilek might not be the best thing. In though. booster draft, you have to draft wastes. So, yeah. So I was right. Hey, hooray! I didn't screw that up. I mean, I knew it all along. <laughs> yeah, let's let's go with it. Uh, so I think wastes will be a very interesting thing. It kind of remains to be seen just how many will exist in packs. You know, is this going to be one of those things like, uh, uh, what was it, the, uh, uh, the clue stones? Uh, the, yeah. there's like a bajillion of them everywhere. So it's like every second pack has four of them for no good reason. Uh, I mean, except, everyone's proxy cards except to put, uh, well, no, let's not, let's not even go. Let's not even mention the P word this week. That's, All right. that's a show for another time. So, Hey, if you tuned in this week to hear my opinions on that, uh, no, we're not stepping in that quagmire right now. We've got, we got exciting cards to talk about. We don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. That's what I'll say. And now that song is running through lots of people's heads. You're welcome. <laughs> so, to return to Oath of the Gatewatch, uh, there are some uh, uh, some other mechanics that I suppose we should talk about. So we've covered uh, the, the whole colorless mana thing. Um, we are getting back Devoid, I think, from the previous set. So there there is yep. stuff that it has colored mana in its cost, but it is colorless. That mattered less than I thought it would. Yeah, me too. But and I get it. It's kind of cool for certain things, like you know, when you're playing commander and someone casts, you know, all is dust, and you're like, ha, ha. Yeah, Matt, matters a lot less than I thought. Because essentially, I mean, I understand it's colorless, but it really plays like it's not a color. Yeah, like oh, it's colored. Hey, that's another thing I should mention while we're on the colorless topic. If something instructs you to name a color, 
colorless is not a color. You can't name it. Just so you know, there, I, there aren't any effects in this set that I know of that actually do that. But, you know, uh, if you, if you have a card that says, like, name a color or cards of the chosen color cannot be cast, something like that. Uh, colorless is not a color. You can't do that. Lack, lack of a color is not in itself a color. Anyway. I like it because it kind of, you know, gets rid of that protect, you know, gets kind of gets around protection. Yes. Like, yes, Afro White. Oh, well, I can still play this guy. That's right. This this uh, two two artifact dude can stand in his way just fine. So ha. They're not artifacts. I mean, they have to avoid stuff that's not even artifact. Oh, uh, they do. But I was just using a generic two two right. artifact creature as a as an example. Uh, we have a new ability word that has come to us. It's you know, as an ability word, it's not a keyword ability. It's just a word that links together a bunch of things that work this way. <clears throat> and that one is cohort. And cohort comes to us because allies are again a thing, uh, which is cool. I like allies. Yeah, they got some good, good ally cards. They I mean, do. Drata. Oh, Drata. They do. Uh, cohort is, uh, it, its cost, I believe, is always tap and tap an untapped ally you control. So for instance, uh, you, you could have a, a creature that has cohort on it and you have to tap that creature plus some other ally. So it's essentially, they're going to buddy up. They're going to make a team. Yep. And so this guy and somebody else, you tap them both and it does a thing. Should so call the cahoots. Uh, they should have called it. They are in cahoots. Yes. Okay. So from now on, it is cahoots. So at your pre-release, when you activate this ability, I need you to go, uh, cahoots and then do the thing. That's what I need everybody to do. Uh, the only thing I'll note about that is the the card is tapping itself, so unless it has haste, it can't do it the turn it comes in. But the other guy that it taps, the guy that it's in cahoots with, that one can be tapped the the turn it comes in. Which is a little weird, but... It, I mean, I guess I understand is that it's got the tap symbol. Because to me, that generally is what the meaning is, the tap yes. symbol versus not the tap symbol. Pretty much, yes. That is, because that is exactly correct. That's, that's like the difference between Grand Arbiter, because he can tap himself for his ability, because there's no tap symbol. Right. This man speaks the truth. Okay, now we got the big one that's real interesting and illustrates... Uh, I'm not going to say a problem, but but an interesting facet of this set. And that is Surge. So I like it. Plays uh, the way oh, I play style. I knew you would. Uh, Surge is an alternate mana cost that is on some cards. And some of them, it's just a cost reduction. Like, just the Surge cost is lower. Some of them, the Surge cost, if you paid it, lets you do something cool. Uh, but it is an alternate mana cost, which means that if there's something else that's letting you cast the card without paying its cost, for instance, you can't use this cost. Now, how does um, like an alternate cost work with converted mana cost as it matters, like for Roma- um not remand, like negate, or the ones that, ma- you know... Count- the, the ones that care about converted mana cost. Yeah. The converted mana cost is always that number in the upper right-hand corner, always. regardless of how the spell was cast. Okay. So, for instance, the example that they give, and it's an awesome card, and I'm gonna I'm gonna mention it now, even though the goblin I, one. Yeah, it's the one. I figured you'd like it. That's it is good. That is a very good card. Reckless Bushwhacker. It's a two-one goblin warrior ally. So it's firing all symbols here or uh, cylinders here. It's it's a it's a goblin. It's got a type warrior, so it can synergize with other things. And it's got the ally type, so it can synergize with all of the other allies, too, which is great. Uh, to two one for two and a red, he has haste, but he also has a surge cost, and the surge cost is one and a red. Now, you may be asking yourself at this point, clues, why would I not just pay the surge cost? Because it's cheaper. I should always do that. I'm glad you asked. The surge cost can only be paid, you can only use the surge cost if you or a teammate has cast another spell this turn. So that's really interesting wording. So if you're just playing by yourself, if it's just a two-player game, you against an opponent, it's basically if you cast at least one other spell this turn, you can cast it for the surge cost, so you can cast it for cheaper. Now he also says, he's got an, an ability, he's one of them who has a benefit if you did the surge thing. When Reckless Bushwhacker enters the battlefield, if its surge cost was paid, other creatures you control get plus one, plus zero, and gain haste until end of turn. So he's like a goblin bushwhacker back from the original Zendikar, only he's a new bushwhacker. So that's kind of cool. But hey, that teammate thing, we should probably talk about that. That's interesting. Suppose you're playing a two-headed giant game. 
So Rich and I are on a team, and we're, of course, wrecking face, because it's Rich and I. We had to fight over the red cards, because I know he but yeah. uh, but we're not using the green in our pool at all. It's a shocker. So Rich casts a spell, probably something crazy involving uh, drawing cards or manipulating his library, or milling. Milling. He probably milled the opponent. And that's now that scour, he's baby. That's scour. now that he's milled the opponent, I can surge this reckless bu- reckless bushwhacker because my teammate has cast another spell this turn, which is really cool. Now that whole idea, that whole the this mechanic exists because this set was meant to support two headed giant specifically. They've said that, and it works really well for that. Now, in a lot of cases, these sorts of cards will still work just fine in a regular two-player game. What what I like about them is uh, the mechanic itself makes it so that these cards can be relevant late game. Even if they're not doing anything spectacular or splashy, they do a little extra or they're a little cheaper late game. So your chances of casting two, maybe three spells in a turn actually just went up because of Surge. So I think it's interesting. Uh, we got, uh, one, is it just one more mechanic that we need to cover? And that is support. So in addition to surge, we've got support and, uh, support is a keyword action, not an ability. It, I thought there was one more. Maybe, I might be thinking of, um, cohort though. Yeah, cohort. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's the last one. Well, yeah, we can, right. we can right. mention landfall, right. but, uh, yeah, I'll no, get to landfall. You, you're later. right. Uh, support cards will have like support and then a number. So, like, support two. And support two means you can put a plus one, plus one counter on each of up to two other target creatures. So, it seems weird, but, uh, you know, uh, was it, uh, did we talk about the cupcakes before the show? Yeah. Okay, so I, I made a cupcake analogy. Okay, so let's say that uh, you show up to a party and you've got five cupcakes, but they're support cupcakes. So you've got an ability that says uh, Cupcake 5, okay? So you get to the party, you have five cupcakes. You can give a cupcake to up to each of five people, but you can't give anyone more than one cupcake. And any cupcakes that you don't give away, you have to throw away. You can't You can't use. So it's a very sad, sad thing to do with cupcakes. So there you go. That's what you need to know about support. Uh, but given the way support reads, you can put those counters on up to N, so support N, up to N target creatures, not that you control, but target creatures at all. So this works well with Two-Headed Giant as well. You can put those counters on your buddy's stuff. So once again, it, it synergizes well. With, with tiny tweaks to these rules and how they interact, they've made it so uh, it's very compatible with something like Two-Headed Giant without being exclusive to Two-Headed Giant, if that makes sense. So those are our mechanics. How do we feel about these mechanics overall? They're fine. Support seems kind of clunky. It's worded a little clunky. I freely admit that. I mean, it's fine. It's kind of like bolster. It's very teamworky, right? Yeah, I mean, it seems like a card that's going to be on a lot of allies. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Sur- I like Surge, though. I like Surge. Oh, I knew you would. I knew you would. That's um, right up my alley. Certainly is. It, it, Surge works really well with cantrip spells, right? Yeah, it does. Anything that's got a low cost and an interesting ability, and then you just tack another one of these onto it, it's it could get real ugly real fast. I don't know how many of these Surge cards are going to see play outside of this environment, but at least in this environment, they're they're very interesting. I don't know if there's um decent ones might go nice in an Animar deck who can make his your spells super cheap to non-existent. Mm-hmm. So now let's take a look at some of these cards. Because that's, that's probably what people want to know. They want to know, hey, Rich, Clues, what cards do you like in this set? Should we talk about Gazalik first? Get the big bear out of the way? Yeah, I guess we'll get the ugly guy out of the way first. Do you want to tell us all about Kozilek? I love this Kozilek. Kozilek, the Great Distortion. He costs eight waste waste. Well, diamond diamond. It's technically colorless. doesn't have to have come from a waste card. Because there are things that produce colorless mana so, that aren't waste cards. It's cards. eight colorless colorless. That is sure. weird. Yeah, I like that's why I like Diamond Diamond. I think it it rolls off better. But anyway, go ahead. When you cast cause like the Great Distortion, if you have fewer than seven cards in hand, draw cards equal to the difference. So he makes sure you're at seven. Doesn't give you four like the other one did, but whatever. Could be, but this is a case where that could be better. Um, he has Menace, which off the top of my head, I'm not remembering what Menace does. Uh, Menace is uh, can't be blocked except by two or more creatures. Yep, that's right. 
Um, then he has discard a card with converted mana cost X. Counter target spell with converted mana cost X. Yeah, I don't like this card at all. Oh, and he's a 12-12. I don't you mentioned that. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, he's 12-12. Yeah, he's kind of beastly. Uh, I don't I don't like this card at all. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I kind of... I mean, yeah, he costs a ton to get out. But once you do, like, you, all your cards in hand are counter spells. Well, I mean, let's, if we even took off, but, let's just start taking off some abilities, okay? If I told you for 10 mana you got a 12-12, you'd be happy. If I told you for 10 mana you've got a 12-12 who makes sure that you have a full grip of 7 when he comes in, you'd be happy. Yeah. If I told you that you had a 12-12 for 10 mana who had menace, you'd still be happy. But then they staple on this discard a card with converted mana cost X, counter target spell with converted mana cost X. That's just sick. It's it's win more. You don't need that. Yeah, you do. No, you don't. He's not hexproof. He's not indestructible. He could die. Yeah, he, well, he could, but he's probably not gonna. At least not soon enough for it to matter. Twelve, twelve with menace. He's gonna eat my face. Yeah, he is. I don't want him to. Eat. I like my face. Uh, yeah, that's that's Kozilek. I like this Kozilek a lot. Oh, he's a good card. A very good card. The tricky bit, particularly in limited, is if you get him, you've got to have a way to cast that that colorless, colorless, and it's in his he, cost. Like hit, opening him in your sealed pools, kind of like if you, I better get two distortion or, or two uh, diamonds, two two, two, di two wastes. Yeah, two yeah. wastes. If you don't, you're just gonna be sad panda. Very sad panda. Um, I don't know what would be worse than getting none or getting one. I feel like one would be worse. Oh, getting none, I think, would be worse, because then he's no, just got to go. I, I feel like one would be, because you have one, but you can't play him. So it gave you hope of playing him. Gave, gave you hope. So much hope. Things that give hope. I mean, you might get a couple of he uh, Hedron Crawlers, right? Because uh, they, they create colorless mana all on their own. That's uh, true. Or Seer's Lantern, that also does it. There are a couple of artifacts that do create colorless mana in this set. Um, uh, I also, out of the, because looking at the colorless Eldrazi, I also like Endbringer. Endbringer. Uh, let me just say, before we look at Endbringer, some of these Eldrazi have spectacular names. Like, oh, absolutely yeah. spectacular. Like Endbringer. Endbringer has a great name. Uh, why don't you tell us what it does? Endbringer is five and one colorless. This is weird. Um, it's a creature Eldrazi, rare, five, five. So it's not super impressive. Six for five, five. Uh, but he un untap Endbringer during each other player's untap step. So it means every turn he untaps. And tap, Endbringer deals one damage to target creature or player. He pings! It's a lot of mana for something that pings. Also, pay a, pay a diamond and tap. T tap t Target creature can't attack or block this turn. That's kind of good. Um, diamond, diamond, tap, draw a card. Yeah, he's got a lot going on. There's never downside to tapping him ever. Yeah, pretty much not. Pretty much every turn. Oh, one. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna swing in for an attack. All right, now I got a blocker. Oh, you didn't attack. Now I'm gonna ping you. Oh, I'm gonna draw a card. I don't know. Yeah, I mean he's a five five for six with pseudo vigilance, right? Because he's mm -hmm. he's constantly untapping himself. But then they give him these abilities, and they're they're all good. They're all good. They're all real good. Yeah, that's that's Endbringer. Hey, I want to hop back to the colored end of the spectrum. That's fine, yep. Those are the only two real uh, ones I really wanted to talk about. Because I want to talk about the two Planeswalkers in this set. Yep, we should tack th tackle those. And let's start with Nyssa, because I know that she's your favorite person ever. If her name was on this card, I'd like it a lot better. Yeah, so Nyssa, Voice of Zendikar, one green-green for a three... Uh, loyalty planeswalker, and she has the following abilities. Plus one, put a zero one green plant creature token onto the battlefield. Okay, so she's she's all into uh, plants. She makes O one plants. That's fine. Great, like it. Minus two, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. Oh, okay, so she's making dudes, and then she makes them bigger. It's it's that's a pretty good ability, honestly. And she's a cheap mana cost, so. Uh, I could see her in a token strategy. I can I can see a lot of places that she'd be good. Minus seven, you gain X life and draw X cards, where X is the number of lands you control. She's dumb. So, well, her abilities are good. None of them are backbreaking. No, I, I know, but she, I mean, 
she's really, she's good. In particular, that minus seven is uh, not something that ends games, right? Often, oftentimes you look at their their big ability and ask, "Does this win the game for me?" And it doesn't, but it does really good things for you. It really helps you win the game, though. It doesn't yeah. win you the game, but it helps you win the game. It gives you the tools you need and the life you need to hang on. I mean, with green out there, you know, land acceleration, you could be, like, you know, drawing 10 cards, gaining 10 oh, yeah. life. Easily. Command- By the time you get her up to 7, oh, yeah. Commander should be super annoying. <laughs> Would be? Will be because wouldn't her plant token like if you have her and Avengers Endicar wouldn't her plant tokens get the same pluses that all Avengers plant tokens get? Uh, I believe so because I think I think Avenger is that all of them do right. Let me yeah let me look up Avenger here real quick. Uh, but as I recall, yeah. No, I like it. she's good. I mean, I like it. I guess I'd like this card a lot better if it had a different name on it, but... Uh, whenever a land enters the battlefield you control, you may put a plus one, plus one counter on each plant creature you control. So, yeah. Yeah, he will totally boost all of your plants. Yeah, so... And then she starts boosting her plants. She's a good, really good in a token strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But then I want to turn our attention to the other Planeswalker who is here, and... Chandra. Normally, I am a big fan of Chandra. I'm absolutely a big fan of Chandra, and I I just don't know what to make of this one. Okay, so Chandra Flamecaller. This is one I need to play with first. Four red red. That's right, six mana. Four red Elspeth was red. six. And yeah, no one she, thought she would see play. She is no Elspeth. No, she's not. Okay. Very few cards are Elspeth, let's be real. She comes in with four loyalty, plus one... Put two three one red elemental creature tokens with haste onto the battlefield. Exile them at the beginning of the next end step. I like that ability. For six mana, I hate that they go away. But you get it because they're three ones. I, I get that. I get that. The she thing would is, get though, out I, of control if you didn't make them go away. I honestly think she, they should be four ones uh-huh. because you're paying six. You should get more than six damage yeah. because. Three on turn six, two three threes. Is just, I mean, it's not super impressive. And and they're they're three ones. So if they get involved in a in a scuffle, they're gonna die. Yeah, but they're exiling anyway. Yeah, so they're going they're going matter. away anyway. But, and, I mean, yeah. I, I just so, think maybe the four or something. Four would I think would make them a little bit better. Yeah, that or make it a plus two and leave them at three kind of thing. You know, or or uh, let's see. I think that there has been a six one elemental. What if we made it a 6-1, but it stuck around? No, just, that's too powerful. You just get one of them. There's too many ways to abuse that. Oh, but he's so fragile. But, you know what, actually, what would make it better for me if they changed the word exile to sacrifice. Oh. Let them die. Let them die? Yeah, I could see that. I think it makes it more useful other, with other decks. Her second ability. Zero. That's right. She's got a zero Again. ability. So it's probably like as good as a brainstorm. Well, uh, it's interesting. Discard all the cards in your hand, then draw that many cards plus one. This is actually a really interesting way to give red some draw. It's so powerful, but so different. Yes. This is what I have a hard time evaluating. Yeah, I I can't tell yet how important that's going to be. I mean, by by turn six, if you're in a real red strategy, tends to be a fairly aggressive strategy. I don't know how you got to six mana, quite frankly, without the game being over. But there we are. Chances are you don't have many cards in your hand. And the cards that you have in your hand are probably not useful, and that's why they're still in your hand. And so this ability lets you just toss them away and refill plus one, which is nice. So I... I like this ability. I think it's really interesting on a card, and I think it's really interesting on a red card. I like it a lot, but it's six mana. I don't know if that feels good enough to me yet. I don't know either. Honestly, if if she was in a set with flashback, I get it. Yeah, and that's like, the other like, thing. You're, you're discarding those. She'll be around when we go to return to Innistrad, won't she? Uh, yeah, Shadows over Innistrad. Is I know, I know. I'm just saying when we return to Innistrad. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Flashback might come back. It could. I mean, graveyard may matter. If, if that's the case, I can. Yeah, if, if if graveyard matters a lot, I can see where she'd be really good. But then again, she's still six, and at that point, do you really want to be setting up your graveyard? At that point, you really want to be using your graveyard. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Then we have her final ability, 
minus X. Oh, this is probably going to be good because Chandra minus X. I like where this is going. Chandra Flamecaller deals X damage to each creature. <sighs> each mm. opponent's creature. Yeah, it's it hits mine too, and and my uh, my teammates. If I'm playing two headed giant, it hits everything, but it doesn't hit the players. It's just all the creatures, and mm, man. You shouldn't have to hit your creatures. Yeah, I don't like the fact... I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand it's Chandra, and she's set the world on fire. I get it. But I'd like it if she actually damaged my opponent. There's nothing on here that directly damages your opponent. Now, those two elementals are probably getting through if you time it right, and your opponent's, you know, all uh, all sideways, and then you can throw her down and hit him for six. The nice thing about those things is they have to, they have to deal with them. They can't just ignore them. Yeah. And I, I, I see games ending this way, by the way, particularly in Limited, that, you know, you're, you're doing the war limited, of attrition. She's a, limited, she's a monster. Oh, yeah. She is. If you open her in your pool, she's in. Right? I think if you open her and she hits the field, you win. There's a very good chance of that. Whereas Nissa, on the other hand, is not that, is not much of a, oh, you win. But Nissa's more of a better build around and constructed versus Chandra, in my opinion. Yeah, although in Limited, I think if you open the Nissa, you gotta go with her, because they're gonna have to deal with her. She'll get out of control. Eventually, yeah, eventually you'll put so many plants on there, you can just keep minusing two that they have nothing nothing to do. Yeah. So those are our two Planeswalkers. Uh, they've made a six-mana cost Chandra, and I, I just don't know if she's it's not the first. Be, I just don't know that she's gonna be any good outside of... Wasn't Chandra Blaze also six? I thought she was five. I'm pretty she, sure Chandra Blaze. She also was wasn't very good, but no, I'm pretty sure she was six. Chandra Blaze. Let's find out. She was six. You were absolutely correct. Because five, I think she'd have been more reasonable. Yeah, six. and that's that's what I would say about this Chandra. If this Chandra were five, perfect. I love it. It's a great card. But at six, hmm, that might be just one too many. I've said it many times, people. The difference between five and six and magic is so huge. Yeah. Four, like the difference between three and four, not as big. Four and five, yes. Five and six, huge. I agree. Huge. I agree. So, hey, other, other cards you want to talk about? I mean, I've got a couple more that I let's, think bear. Let's some hit discussion. the legends. Let's hit the what? The legends. The legends. Okay. So, uh, hey, you want to start with the, the white legend? I don't know if you've looked very closely at the yeah. white legend. Oh, there's a just a white. I thought there was only three. Yeah, General Tazri. I have not seen that one. Ooh, I, I, ooh, I thought oh. all the generals were colorless. Then let's do this live. Or, Go find General Tazri, uh, in in the white and uh, right. read it. I want to see what your reaction because you you haven't seen this card yet. So General Tazri, four in the white for a three four human ally legendary creature. All right, five, it's not the, my favorite thing. When General Tazri enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an ally creature card, reveal it, and put it to your hand and shelf your library. Okay. White, blue, black, red, green. So, Wooburg. Ally creatures you control get plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of colors among those creatures. All right, what do you think? That's a waste of a card. A waste of a card? Whoa, whoa. I'm not sure that I agree here. That's not how I like to play Magic at all. Oh, well, it's certainly not how you like to play Magic. But but let's let's think about its applications in a broader scope. Not necessarily in uh, Limited, because in Limited, eh, eh. I don't like... I, one, I hate anything that's... I hate Wooburg. Okay. I do not like that. Yeah. I mean, I get the way allies work with those lands and stuff, blah, 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 blah. If he needs for Mythic for paying five, he should be putting that ally in the field, hmm. not in your hand. Okay, but uh, consider consider the following. If I am not mistaken, the color identity of a card is not just the mana cost, but it is also the mana symbols that appear anywhere on the card, including the rules text. Not reminder text, but rules text. That makes this... A five-color legendary creature. I don't think that's accurate. No, I think it's accurate. Go go check. Color identity, I am almost 100% certain, is uh, the mana in the cost in the upper right-hand corner, uh, any color identity it might have, and uh, anything in the rules text. And with that in mind, now think about this card. It is a Wooburg general for your Wooburg ally deck that lets you search for whatever ally you need 
and will boost the crap out of your allies. They're probably getting plus five, plus five. And that ability, that Wooburg ability, if you have double Wooburg up, they're getting like plus 10, plus 10. Because it's not a tap ability. You just have to pay Wooburg, and they get that boost. And we probably have ways to uh, to make lots of Wooburg mana. Oh, I don't know. I'm reading him on the fact, and there's nothing about stating that he's five colors. Uh, yeah, well, they wouldn't have put that in the fact. Let's let's go check uh, Magic Commander rules. Magic Commander rules. Because I think they keep that on uh, the uh, mtgcommander.net. Yeah, there we go. So uh, let's find it here. Deck construction. A card's color identity is its color plus the color of any mana symbols in the card's rules text. So yes, this is a Wooburg general. So he always gives five, always gives plus five, plus five? Uh, no, he doesn't always give plus five, plus five, because if you if you read his ability, ally can creatures you control get plus X, plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of colors among those creatures. So this is not asking about color identity, but the oh, actual color, right? When, you're, oh, when you refer to that, I thought he was always giving plus five, plus five. No, I, I understood no. that he's a Wooburg general, because yeah. I remember, um, why, Tassiger? Oh, yeah, Tassiger. He's, he's a bug general. Right. Yeah, so, so Tazri's color identity is Wooburg yes. for the purposes of Commander, but Tazri's color is white. Okay, yeah. Sorry sorry for the confusion there. No, yep, now I'm going. If, uh, if anyone at home was also it, deceived, it, my apologies. I get, yeah, that, then for a Wooburg ally general, that'd be pretty sweet, but uh, he's not my thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. Well, is there a legendary creature who is your thing? There's two. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I'll read the first one. Um, Ailey, Eternal Pilgrim. Oh, yes. What, class white-black, so everyone already knows it's up my alley. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a core cleric. Um, 2-3. I like that it's a cleric. For a 2-3, it has Death Touch. Ooh. I always like Death Touch. And one of my favorite decks is Black-White Token, so let's listen to what this card does. One colorless... Uh, no, one, one generic. generic. No, no, one, no, one generic. generic. Yeah. One generic mana. Sacrifice another creature. Um, you gain life equal to the sacrifice creature's toughness. Seems good. I like it. Um, next ability is one white black. Sacrifice another creature. Exile target target non-land permanent. Activate this ability only if you have at least ten life more than your starting life total. Yeah. She gets rid of anything and everything besides land. Yeah, she's a Swiss Army Knight. She don't care. No, no, she doesn't. It's like um, the old Tesa, but a little bit better, but more of a restricting on what you have to do. I also like that she's so cheap. So cheap. Yeah. Because you can just start getting to work right away. Oh, yeah. None of this waiting stuff. Just the only right out there. I wish she could sacrifice herself. Huh. Like, they're going to target her with a murder. And I'm like, mm, one, gain three life instead. Right. I understand why they didn't do that, because I think she would have to cost more. But I, I like to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So I like her a lot. I think she's a very cool. Awesome. Something I would love for Commander. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about your other uh, colorless, uh, or excuse me, multicolor uh, legendary that you like? Yeah. This one, this one I love. It's Jory N, the Ruined Diver. Costs one blue-red. For a Merfolk wizard, so clearly I'm already sold with Merfolk. Yep. It's another it's another two three. And it's like legendary, to... don't forget that, because yep, it's in general. Whenever you cast your second spell each turn, draw a card. That seems good. Just, yeah. Like I, real good. I understand they can't do it every like every two spells draw a card. I understand they can't do that. <laughs> but wish you, that's how you it was wish, worded. You wish it were. Because it is. It is the, like, so if I cast four spells, I still only draw one card. Correct. I wish it was the other way, but I, to I, I get it. I mean, imagine if they'd made it for each spell after your first you draw a card. Oh, God. Yeah, that would just be dumb. So dumb. Like, oh, let's, let's do ponder. I mean, it'd be dumb let's in a good way, but... Draw, do ponder, and let's then draw a card. Well, let's do another ponder and draw a card. Let's do, you know, let's cast, go. think twice, twice, draw two, you know, yeah. four cards. It would get dumb. Really, really dumb. Speaking of dumb, I have a, a legendary card I want to talk about, since we're on Legends for, for the time being. I want to talk about Linvala the Preserver. 
Now, I know I keep going back to white, but I'll, I'll be honest, although I am a red mage at heart, when I get to a limited environment, I'm often drawn to the white cards. It's because you're a white player, you just don't want to admit it. Uh, I'm a Boros player, is what it is. I want my burn spells, but I want the cool creatures from white. Fair. That's what I want. <clears throat> so, Linvala the Preserver. Now, I loved the original Linvala. The original Linvala... The Silencer? Yeah, no. a Keeper of Silence. Linvala Keeper of Silence yeah. was one of the first mythics that I opened. Not the first, but one of the first mythics. She was amazing. Great, great card. I have a uh, mono white angels commander deck, and uh, Linvala Keeper of Silence is in there, and everybody hates her. Everybody hates she's her. She's the worst. Uh, the worst at... No, she's the best at being the worst. Uh, so, Linvala the Preserver. Four white white... So six mana for a 5-5 five, five legendary creature angel. She flies because she's an angel who's a 5-5. Five, five. When Linvala the Preserver enters the battlefield, if an opponent has more life than you, you gain five life. Hey, that seems pretty good, right? Particularly in a multiplayer set, uh, like a, a commander set or uh, in a two-headed giant game. I, I, I love it. That's great. We'll gain five life. When Linvala enters the battlefield, if an opponent controls more creatures than you, put a 3-3 white angel creature token with flying onto the battlefield. So chances are, if you play her at the right time, and at six mana, it's probably the right time. In a commander so, game, what you actually get is eight power worth of flyers and five life for six mana. Here's, here's a problem I have. Yeah. And it's a little problem. And I just, I don't understand, even for the mana cost you're paying... Why is it not a 4-4? Four, four? Angel tokens are 4-4s. Four, oh, oh, I see what you're saying. It's, and it's not because I think the power mismatch on the card is just angel tokens are 4-4s. Four, Almost across the board unanimously in any set, in any card's ability, they are generally 4-4s. Four, I feel like there was one other major angel once who made 3-3s. Three God, who was it? Maybe I'm wrong, but I thought there was one that made three threes. I'm betting that she makes three threes because she would be too good otherwise. But you're right. You're absolutely right. Most angels, most angel tokens that you get in Magic are four four. And it's just that's the only reason it bugs me because I hate when they like. Remember, um, what set did like for some reason it did like. Wolves or something was like a different. Normally, the wolves are two twos, and it was something different. Oh yeah, I think you're right. Uh, they were like one one wolves with death touch, maybe. Yeah, and I understood like, oh, it's one with death touch, but it's like they're wolves. Just make them two twos. Yeah, it was, it was the flip side of uh, Garrick. of Garrick. Yeah, but yeah, I'm having a hard time trying to find any other three three angel tokens like ever. I don't think there was. I just don't. God, I thought there was, huh? That's why. That's just what bugs me about it. It's just there's the uniformity, right? That it it breaks uh, it breaks what we previously had. I'm with you. So, so I got, I got two more uh, of the multicolors I want to bring up. Sure. Um, the first this is, now this is a legend that I can appreciate the quality of this card, but I hate it. I hate it for three reasons. Clues. All right. What what is it? It's Mina and Den. Wild. Oh card. yeah. Okay. I can understand. All right. It's too generic. Red, green. So first reason, first reason I hate it, it's green. Yeah, I'm with you. It's a four-four, four-four elf ally, legendary creature. Reason two, it's an ally. I don't think this card needs to be an ally at all. Clues at okay. all. Duly noted. You may play an additional land on each of your turn. Getting you betting you don't like that either. I I don't. But we're not done. Red, green. Return a land you control to its owner's hand. Target creature gains trample until end of turn. You're not even punished because you if you only have one land to play you can play it return it and play it again and tap that land so that you return the tapped land and then play it again yep i'm gonna be mindful because last time i got this angry about a card i swore a lot and clues in that like <laughs> again i can appreciate the quality of this card i honestly think it should almost be a mythic instead of just rare because it's really really good oh wow that is a uh, uh, rare you're right that does feel mythic i it agree does. with you it does it's really really good now don't get me wrong i'm not saying that we need to you know mythic everything but yeah that that card feels mythic in its power level it's uh yeah 
Like it's a, if you saw it as mythic, you'd be going, that could be a rare, but you get it as a mythic. As a rare, you're like, it probably should be mythic. Yeah. If only there was something in between the two, that would make sense. Right, but we don't have that. We're not Pokemon that has like a thousand different rarities. <laughs> That's right. We just have expeditions. Um. So we're we're probably going to wrap this up here soon. We'll be going for a while. There are lots more cards that I'd like about, to talk about. Uh, I need to talk about Kalidus at least. Oh, oh, that's fine. That's fine. I'm just saying that we're going to wrap up. I'm just warning folks, although they can probably just look at their their player and see that we're coming to an end. Well, two cards. So the, the other um, multicolor card, probably the it's a, not a legendary, but I think it's really cool. Yeah. It's an uncommon. It's Reflector Mage. Reflector Mage. I don't remember Reflector Mage. It's one white blue for a 2-3. They really seem to enjoy 2-3. Uh, yeah, 2-3 for 3 mana seems to be a pretty sweet spot for these things. When Reflector Mage enters the battlefield, return target creature and opponent controls to its owner ha- owner's hand. That creature's owner can't cast spells with the same name as that creature until your next turn. Oh, that's just filthy. It's a bounce card, but better. Yeah, here, you pick that up. Now just hang on to it. Just look Because that it. was always a problem with bounce cards. Oh, I'll just go play it again. You you remember when that was on the battlefield? You remember that? Did you like it? Too bad. It actually, it the bounce was always been nice for tempo, but this is like lasting bounce. And I don't know, I just think it's really cool because I've never seen a bounce card do this. It's interesting. Really I don't, I thought interesting. It was, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting design. It is a amazing limited card. Oh yeah, like that is to me that Marshall may correct me, but that might be a you know pick first pick. Ah, uh, for limited, ooh, I could see that because your your opponent sets up their their big finish, their bomb, they throw it down, and you just go nope, pick it up and uh, sit. Yep. You think about what you did. In the meantime, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, you buy yourself a turn, a whole turn without whatever you bounced. Yeah. And if it's, let's say it's not their big bounce, maybe it's a card they drafted three of. They can't play any of them. Oh, God, no. No, not at all. So, I, I don't know, I like that. Yeah, I expect to not enjoy interacting with this card. And it's an enter, so it works really good for, um, like, commander bounce decks. Uh, you have to do it to an opponent, not to yourself. No, right, but like... Oh, oh, you mean to, to make him bounce. Oh, I'm with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah like, okay. Like Brago or... um. Mistborn Captain or whatever it was called. Right. So. So something I want to mention before we wrap up. Yep. Uh, something I am disappointed with in this set. And that is that, uh, Landfall has always been one of my favorite mechanics. That's Absolute mechanic. favorite mechanics. I think there are only two cards in this entire set with Landfall. But they used a decent amount in Battle for Zendikar. They did. They did. If you look, if you if you search in Gatherer right now, there are 27 cards in Battle for Zendikar that had landfall. But now here is what bothers me about what they've done. The two cards in this set that have landfall are a red card called Embodiment of Fury. It costs three and a red for a 4-3 creature elemental with trample. Land creatures you control have trample, and landfall, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may have target land you control become a 3-3 elemental creature with haste until end of turn, it's still a land. So that's that's great, I like that card, it's, it's very red feeling, it uses landfall nicely, it turns lands into creatures, that's a thing that's been going on in this set, I like it. The other one is Embodiment of Insight, costs 4 and a green, for a 4-4 elemental creature with vigilance, land creatures you control have vigilance, and landfall, whenever a creature enters the battlefield or you can, or whenever land enters the battlefield under your control, you may have target land become a 3-3 elemental creature with haste until end of turn, it's still a land. So it does the same thing. But here's what bothers me. Number one, we only have two things with landfall in this set. That's disappointing. And number two, where are the rest of the embodiments? Because they're not in the other set. They're not in it's, Battle for Zendikar. This is an incomplete cycle. Sometimes they do the incomplete cycles, though. They do. We had I mean, there's, it, the, there's the Oath cycle that they have, and there's no black. I understand it's because there's no black Planeswalker for the Gatewatch or whatever. But, I mean, there's no Oath for any black. We had an embodiment of Spring back in, uh, what is that, Dragons of Tarkir? Or is that Cons of Tarkir? Oh, I, can, I can never tell these set symbols apart. Um... That is Cons of Tarkir. Uh, but he's not at all like these creatures in any way. Uh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't fit the cycle. 
It might not be a cycle. It may not be. It, it may they may have made you know just these two cards to upset me, but there they are. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you're going to have landfall, it'll probably be in green and red. I'm with you. Yep. But it, 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 I lack a feeling of closure with these guys. That's fair. It's my OCD showing through. What can I say? So, one thing I liked about this set is the cards that from the original Zendikar that I loved. Mm-hmm. Their characters made a reappearance. Mm-hmm. Drana made yes. a reappearance in Battle for Zendikar. She was great. Great for allies. And her name shows up on a couple of cards in this one, like Drana's Chosen. That's yeah, kind of a thing. I like that. I hope they make her a planeswalker someday. I don't think they will, but but my, one of my ever favorite vampire cards, who I play in my uh, Olivia deck, because that's very vampire tribal, is Kalidus. The original Kalidus costs like seven, mm-hmm. but he takes control of everything. He's amazing. This Kalidus costs four. We have Kalidus traitor of get so i think sounds like he's a bad guy now because before i think he was like the get warlord something like that but now he's um he's a legendary creature vampire warrior mythic three four he's got lifelink which is always fun to have if non-token cre- if a non-token creature and opponent controls would die instead exile that card and put a two two black zombie creature token onto the battlefield so I Doomblade one of your things, and I get a zombie now. And that card's exiled. So technically, it doesn't even die, does it? Uh, it does not die, no. Um, so that, but then he has an activated ability of two and a black. Sacrifice another vampire or zombie. Put two plus one plus one tokens on Kalidus, Trader of Get. Gonna get huge. And then eventually he's gonna be a, you know, he's gonna be a five seven, and then he's gonna be a seven nine, and he's just start gaining you all this life. Now, one important note, and I just double-checked the uh, the set fact to make sure I was right about this. Uh, the wording on that is very specific. So if a non-token creature an opponent controls would die, instead exile it. If a token creature your opponent controls would die, it just dies. It will actually go to the graveyard before ceasing to exist. So their token creatures, when they die, go to the graveyard and then disappear. Their non-token creatures never make it to the graveyard. Have you? Did you see the really weird black mythic? Uh, maybe. The inverter of truth. Oh, uh, yes. That's just bizarre. It's weird. I get it, but it's weird. Yeah. So inverter of truth. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and read this one. Two black black for a six six devoid. So it's it's technically colorless flying creature. When Inverter of Truth enters the battlefield, exile all cards from your library face down, then shuffle all cards from your graveyard into your library. That's... So your, so your la- graveyard was now your library. So if you had two cards, your library is now two cards. Yeah. And your your cards are exiled face down. You You can't look at them. You don't know what those are. They're just there. So, you know, last set we had the processors that would pull cards back from exile. Because these cards are exiled face down, you would you would pull them back at random. You don't get to choose one. But wasn't um what's that stupid demon that you can't win the game? Wasn't he from Zendikar? Uh yes. I think he was. He, was. he cost four for a six inch flyer and you can't win the game. Your opponent can't lose the game and you can't win the game. Yeah. I think I feel like so I feel like maybe this is this their ver- another version of a demon that hurts you. Even though this one's not a demon, he's an Eldrazi. Yeah, it's just really weird, interesting. But I, I get where he has value. Like really late game, you know, you're probably just re- 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 refreshing your resources. Hmm. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's weird. It's and it's a mythic. That's what I don't get. It's a mythic. Well, he does take your entire library and exile it. Yeah, but there's no good way to like force it on your opponent. Uh, you can probably there's there's probably a way to abuse it uh, that we don't knowledge pool. Yeah, <laughs> knowledge. That's hilarious. Yeah, the art in this set's really good. I think I don't know what it is about the vampires in this set, but they've drew them really well. The vampires are quite good in this set. I I didn't mention it earlier, but the artwork on the new Linvala is awesome. Mm-hmm. Just awesome. Uh, yeah, they, they did a real nice job with the artwork in this set. They they, they named a, this Sphinx, this Mythic Sphinx, they named it so well. Yeah. Have you read them? Oh, yeah. 
Clues hates this card, guys. I do. Yeah, actually, Rich and I haven't talked about this, but he called it, I hate this card. Sphinx of the final word. Five blue blue for a five five flying Sphinx. He's mythic. Sphinx of the final word can't be countered. He is flying and hexproof. <sighs> Instants and sorceries you control can't be countered by spells or abilities. <sighs> he really is the final word. Yeah. Oh, he won't see a lot of play, though, Clues. Uh, Commander! Commander, yeah. he'll see he'll, he'll see Commander play. play. Yeah, he'll go in every blue deck. Uh, I have confidence that we are once once we rotate uh, some sets and we we get rid of the near perfect mana that we have now. I am confident that there will be probably a blue white control deck that will appear, and its finisher will probably be this bastard. Oh yeah, he looks great for that. So I called it now. So when it happens later on, honestly, you know who would be another good finisher for a blue white control deck? Who's that? Linvala. Yeah. Because a control deck, by the time you get down to it, you're going to have less creatures, and you're probably going to have less health. Yep. And then you're going to play her, and then you're going to be able to just, you know, do what the control deck does. So. Yeah, you'll just take back over. Yeah. All right. I think we've been going at this long enough uh, for one episode. Uh, I'm going to a pre-release this weekend. Actually, believe it or not, I am traveling over the weekend, and I will be back at Atomic Empire in Durham, North Carolina. It's a great shop. You should check it out for the 11 a.m. pre-release on Sunday. So I will get a chance to you. do that. So that's exciting. Uh, but I'm, I'm not going to be there long just for uh, just for Sunday after that pre-release. Putting this out there, though, Clues, original yeah. Linfala art, much better. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. Uh, this one's good though. Um, oh, it is. It's it's really really nice art. But original Linvala, I mean, it's original yeah, it's, Linvala. Yeah, it's hard to compare. Uh, but yeah, so very excited. I'll let you guys know what uh, what the set's like once I get a chance to play it. But I am looking forward to it. I haven't had a chance to play it for the past several weeks, so it'll be nice to get some cards in hand again. That will be nice. Uh, so. All right. Well, I know we didn't cover all the cards. We didn't, you know, that's not what we do on this show. We're not like a, a, a complete set review, that sort of thing. Uh, and I'm sure that we missed some cards that are better or, uh, you know, we're, we're not here to tell you what the best cards are. We're here to tell you what cards we think are interesting. And I do my best before we record these shows to try and avoid most people's like set spoilers and uh, set reviews because I don't want to be influenced by them. I just want to look at them with my own eyes and go, what do I think is cool? Except so, me too. That's what we've done here tonight. Like but, some people uh, might not might not like um, Ailey, but to me she was awesome. Yes, and some people might really really like the twins, the the you're, red green. You're bad people. Yeah, I wasn't gonna say that. Is it wrong, Clues? I'm not gonna say that either. I'm just gonna let it go. Cl- let it clues go. cares if we have fans. I do. I do. Hey, if you want to interact with us, we'd love for that. So if you want to get in touch with us, there are a number of ways to do that. You can email us. We are mtgcardadvantage at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter. We are at cardadvantage. You can find our website, which is cardadvantagecast.com. If you want to reach me directly, you can do that. Best way is probably Twitter. I am at Lockluze, spelled just like it is in the show notes. I am at the Esper General. It's spelled like Mind Mage. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, all right. Thank you all very much for listening. Good luck at your pre releases, and we will see you all next time. the show's name. I don't know yet. Well, I do love pretty much everything Esper.